And so today, we're going to be speaking about We Are Disciples. So we've, we're in this series, aren't we, of We Are, and um, you see it on the screen there. And, and the first week, we looked at We Are Christ-centered. Last week, Pastor Annie gave that awesome word about We Are Commissioned and kind of bridging in with that soul winner thing. If you've not signed up for soul winner, will you, anyone here, again, like, so I can see hands up, who's done the boot camp before? Come on, it's awesome. Like, yeah, there's some... It's such a good thing. I think everyone should sign up to it because it's, so, um, it's just so really, you know, really easy to kind of reach people when Pastor Andy teaches you the basics of how to reach people. And he's amazing at it. There's no better teacher than Pastor Andy. And so last week he shared about we are commissioned. And he, he used that verse in Mark 16, verse 15. It said, he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Come on, that's part of the Great Commission, isn't it? To go. We're called to go. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. God's going to hold you accountable for that now. Come on, we want to be ready to go, haven't we? We've got to be ready to go um, into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, we've all got different worlds. Each and every one of us has a different world that we can reach. I can't reach your world and you can't reach my world. But together, if we decide to make sure we're going to go and reach the worlds around us, we can turn this world upside down for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So again, um, that was Mark, that was in the book of Mark, where the, the, that commission that we see Jesus saying, go into the world and preach the gospel. And then we're going to look a little bit at Matthew 28, 19 this morning, which says um, a similar verse, but it says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's a very well-known verse known as the Great Commission, both parts of this, but go and make disciples. And we're going to unpack a little bit of this this morning. I'm going to share a few thoughts and then I'm going to dive into a bit of Luke and we're going to break down some bits of Luke and apply it to our lives. But before we do, let's just pray for the word. Pray for myself. Father, I thank you that my mouth would be your mouthpiece this morning. That, Lord, it wouldn't be me speaking, but your word come forth with power and authority, Father. We declare every heart ready to receive your word. Lord, I thank you where the enemy was choosing to take ground this morning. Right now, we rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that you just guard every heart ready to receive the seed needed for the next season we're about to enter into. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've had an interesting week. I should say this beforehand. So this week's been quite hilarious for me. Obviously, Paula went away and it was, oh, God moving. I was left with three children. Yeah, I could stop it there. But I also had a little chest infection on top of that. So the last three days have been a blur for me. And I was like, how did I just get through that? You know, when you're like ill and you think, what has just happened the last three days? I'm glad my kids were here. I'm like, I don't even like know what like, happened the last three days. I was looking, I, I did look after them because they're here. Do you know what I mean? Just, I was like looking, I was holding them. Like, he's definitely real. Jerry's here, Amelia's here. Yeah, I definitely did it. I got through the three days. But I've been like almost just, there's been such a, not an attack, it's just life, isn't it? But just this week has been an incredible, incredibly tough week. And I say this because like, life isn't easy. Come on, we can agree, right? Life isn't easy. And just because maybe someone's speaking and think, oh, he's, a, life doesn't get any easier. If anything, it gets harder. But you know what? God is always good. Even in the midst of our troubles and our pains and our hurts. And, you know, even this week, I, I had to go to my nan's funeral. And that was just an added extra on top of a week. And little things like that. But you know what? God is still good, isn't he? God is always good, even when we feel like we're going through a very dark valley and everything's hard. God is still good. We must always hold on to the fact that God will lead us through the midst of storms and all these things. And I say that because I want to encourage you this morning. That maybe you're facing something in your own world and you're going, is this real? Is this, is this what following Christ is like? Yes, 
That's the reality. That the more we follow Christ, the more hardships and troubles often will come our way. Because why we have an enemy that wants to take you out? But listen, God is faithful. He will lead you beside the still waters, the Bible said. He will protect you on every side. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. The enemy wants to, to kind of take you out and make you think that you can't. But you know what? You can do it through Christ. Amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to do it this week. Come on, we need to start declaring that in our life, that no weapon fashioned will prosper in Jesus' name. <laughs> I actually stand there in complete weakness. My chest feels like I've got a, a ton of weight on it because it's so, but God's still good, amen? And he gives us the power, not in my strength, but in his strength. And so I just want to share some, a few simple thoughts and the way I'm going, I'm probably not going to get done, am I, realistically? Because none of that was in my notes. Um, so... Thank you. Praise God. So I think it's good to understand the word disciple. Discipleship, disciple. Um, it's one of the most common references when it speaks about followers of Christ in the Bible. Um, when, we, when we hear the word disciple, it's throughout the New Testament. Thank you, Gina. Nice. That's cool. All right, this is a test now. Watch this. Oh, no, I did it. thought I was going to spill it. Oh, don't put it near the electrical stuff, Sean. There we may. Imagine that. Oh, God's good. So the word, again, like I say, the word disciple is the most common reference we read in the Bible. You know, the disciples, throughout the Gospels, we see the disciples. We're walking with Jesus, the disciples, you know, and, and, and we see it mentioned over and over and again. Um, and the word Christian, which I know we call ourselves Christian, um, which is the Greek word Christianos, meaning simply a follower of Christ. It's not actually used that much, is it, in the Bible? Not often do we say, oh, the Christians gathered and followed Jesus. The Christians grouped together and followed Jesus. The Christians together with one accord prayer. We often don't see that word Christian. Um, in fact, the word Christian, singular and plural, both Christians and Christian, three times it's mentioned in the Bible. Yet the word disciple and disciples is mentioned 270 times. And I think to myself, okay, I get the point, because maybe God's trying to say, you're not just Christians meeting here on a Sunday morning, you're disciples. And I think it's good to unpack what a disciple is. The word for disciple is the Greek word matheitis, and it means learner or pupil, but I love it because it goes further than that. It means, actually means to someone who imitates their teacher, to actually imitate their teacher. So Christians, yes, we're followers of Christ, but we're also disciples. We're deeper than that. We're not just followers of Christ. We want to learn from him. We want to imitate everything that he does. That's why when we pray, we pray that the sick may recover. Why? Because Christ did that and he's our teacher. Amen? We're not just here on Sunday morning. Some of us might be, but I want to turn that upside down today. I want us to shake off Sunday morning mentality where we come to church and think, tick the box, done that for the week, crack on with my week. No, that's not what a disciple is. Discipleship well, let me just set this right. The Bible makes no mention of becoming a Christian, a crowd mentality, does it? Every one of us is called to be a disciple. Each and every one of us is called to be a disciple. And so often I've sat out there and I thought, oh, he's not talking to me. But the Bible is very clear that if we put our faith in Jesus, we become a disciple of Christ. I'm not going to walk around in my world and be like, yeah, I'm a disciple of Christ. They'll be like, you're a weirdo. Like, what are you on about? But I'm going to use the word Christian, right? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But when it comes to my understanding inside, I'm not here just on Sunday mornings just to turn up and 
worship God for a little bit, sprinkle myself with a bit of that, oh, it's great. I want to have the discipleship mentality where it says, in my heart, I'm following Christ on Monday morning. When I go to bed, I'm, 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 my mind is set on Christ. When I walk through every situation in life, my heart is set on Christ. That's what a disciple does. He's included in every area of your life, not just the Sunday morning tick list. Jesus didn't ask us to make Christians, like Pastor Annie said, converts that put their hand up. Yes, that's another five, but nothing happens. Unfruitfulness. He asked us to go and make disciples, go and help people grow in their relationship with God. When I first came to church, I knew nothing of Christianity, nothing of Christ. Um, I, I didn't even know what church was. But through discipleship, through getting around the right people and uh, to be honest with you, for the first bit, I read the first five books of the Old Testament, I was really confused. I was thinking, nah, I've signed up to something weird here. Like, I genuinely thought that. When I started getting into Leviticus, I started getting, it started getting weird. I was like, this is, this is a strange book. But I pushed through, and then I helped, someone helped me get along, maybe starting Book of John. That might be better. And do you know what? It helped me. But that's discipleship, isn't it? Coming alongside people and helping them grow. And I want us to have that in our mindset, have that in our hearts, that we want to come alongside people and help them grow in their walk with God. I'm so thankful that someone decided to take the time to help me grow in my walk with God. Someone was able to take time aside to say, let me teach you a bit of the Bible. Let me help you grow in prayer. Do you know, growing in prayer, it's not so, something it's strange, isn't it? We've got to be taught how to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. It's okay if you don't know how to pray and you're a little bit like, but we can learn to pray. Amen? We can learn to pray. That is discipleship. It's okay if you don't know, but come and say, how do I? Because we've got connect groups. We've got some incredible connect groups. You know, John Morney with the men's group. It's awesome. We've got some others that, that will help you pray together in a community. Come on, hands up if you're in a connect group. No shame if you're not, but let's look at that. That's awesome. Isn't that great? People coming together and learning. That's discipleship. And, and this is what we want to do. We want to create a heartbeat within each and every one of us that is disciples of Jesus. Amen? So again, like I said, um, I've got really not a lot of time. I'm gonna, these are PowerPoints now. We're going to go straight through these. In uh, Luke 5, 1 to 11, I'm going to read through this, and I've got a few little pointers that I'm going to break down for us today. So Luke 5, 1 to 11 says this. So again, in the, in the Gospels, we see these four different accounts of the disciples being called. Right? And often you get a bit confused and you think, why is that one different to that? Yet it's the same thing. Well, there's a reason because every eyewitness will always be different. Amen? If I see something, you see together, we'll always pick different points up of what we just saw. We won't say exactly the same thing because eyewitness accounts are very real. And that's what makes the gospel so accurate is they're so real and so on point. And Luke, what I love about Luke, he's always quite a bit more detailed. He always unpacks things. I mean, I think he's known as obviously a physician, but Luke the historian, he was a little bit more detailed. And in Luke 5, 1 to 11, this moment the disciples were called, he unpacks it a little bit more to give the story. And it says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then as he sat down and taught the people from the boat, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing, 
But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Come on, that's a good day's fishing. Come on, Arnel, where are you? Where's Arnel, the fishing? Yeah, that's a good day's fishing. There, when, when your boat is sinking because you've caught so much. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Come on, that's an awesome story. I love the Gospels. I love the stories that are written throughout it. And so I've got five quick points that I'm going to share that I felt God speaking to me about this and about the life of what a disciple looks like in, in our worlds. So verse 1 to 3, it said, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge, uh, water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing the nets. He got into one boat, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down, taught the people from the boat. Do you know what the first point I get this? Disciples allow Jesus to interrupt their everyday lives. This is something we must understand. What I love about this verse is Peter, known as Simon at the time, was in the middle of his job. He wasn't doing ministry. He wasn't standing on a platform. He was literally washing his net. And what makes it more interesting about this, the more I read into it, is that he was washing his net knowing he hasn't caught fish. As a fisherman, because I love fishing, right, I'd be annoyed if I hadn't caught fish. So he's not only washing his nets, he's probably quite frustrated. He's there washing his nets. thinking, I've been fishing all night, because we read that earlier. I haven't caught fish. And then Jesus turns up in his world and says, Can I use your boat? Take me out there so I can teach the word of God. Come on. Most normal people would be like, you're having a laugh, Jesus, isn't you? Like you're having a laugh. I'm in the middle of washing minutes. I haven't caught a fish. Now you want me to get the boat out, back out there, so you can teach people of the word of God. Come on. We need to allow Jesus to interrupt our lives. Sometimes we're too busy. Sorry, God, too busy. Can you not see the amount of work I've got? Even in a church setting, can you not see how many emails I've got, Jesus? Can you not see how much stuff there is to do, Jesus? And Jesus just wants to interrupt that life so he can reach a people that need saving. Yet sometimes we can be too busy washing our nets. We need to stop and go, actually, Jesus, the nets ain't that important. Your word is important. Use the boats. Let's get out. Let's disrupt normal living. Let's frustrate people who like things all nice and neat. And let's get out in the boat, stop what we're doing, and let's go and catch people. Amen? That's the correct response in life, is to allow Jesus to move in what he's asking for. You know, again, like I said, it must have been annoying for Peter, thinking, what? I haven't caught fish. But it's allowing Jesus to take take that move over our own self. Amen? The second thing in verse 4 to 7 is what I learn, is disciples learn to trust Jesus over what they know. And I'm not going to read it all again for the sake of time, but they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. But Jesus steps in and says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And I love the response of Simon. He said that, but because you say so, we will let down our nets. How often do we have our own idea of doing stuff? No, 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 Jesus, I know better than you. I've done this many years. I know exactly what I'm doing. How often do we get in the way of what Jesus is saying? Jesus is miraculous. 
doesn't always do things the way we plan and set it up to be. Sometimes he does things that are strange, that cause us to think, really? Because why faith? He wants us to be activated by faith. They had to trust God in that moment by faith, by letting down their nets and thinking, well, surely his word is true over what we know. Disciples trust Jesus over what we know, what we've been taught, what we've learned. Amen? It reminds me of that scripture in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Come on, that's what Peter was doing then. He could have said, no, you have, no, Jesus, no, no. I'm the fisherman. You're the preacher, man. You, you preach, I'll do the fishing. I'm not listening to you. But he didn't. He allowed Jesus to override what he knew. I think sometimes we've got to get free from what we know and allow Jesus to override some things. I know that for my own life. I'm speaking so much to myself because I'm one of those people that thinks that oh, I can have that, da, 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 I know all of that. But sometimes Jesus just needs to interrupt that and say, uh-uh, maybe just do it like this. And you're thinking, what? That's weird. But you do it and you see breakthrough and you see things breaking out and you see miracles. Why? Because God is the God of miraculous things. Amen? The third thing, disciples come to the end of themselves. And I love this verse, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw what God had done in his life. This miraculous moment. What did he say? Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Jesus will always bring us to the end of self, where we look at ourselves and say, God, you're awesome. I'm useless. You know, I'm useless. You know, if it wasn't for God, I'd be nothing. I'm just a useless person. But in Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, amen. He's awesome, I'm not. This is the reality of disciples. We put him above everything. He is awesome. He's the one that breaks things. He's the one that causes new life to break out, amen. As disciples of Jesus, the more we're around him, the more we're seeing his goodness and mercy breaking into our lives. This brings us to the end of ourselves where we realize God is good and we are not. Come on, who's here felt the goodness of God in their life? Doesn't it just make you realise, God, I could never have done this in my own strength. You know, I came in this room 14 nearly years ago with drug addiction, alcoholism, and it was the goodness of God that touched me in such a way that I was set free. That brought me to the end of myself and I thought, God, I've got no words. Like, I've got no words. That is impossible what's just happened to me. He's good. I'm not. Now use me for your glory. Amen. We must come to the end of ourselves. And again, it's Romans 2.4 where we read, well, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising that it's the goodness, uh, the God's kindness intended to lead you to repentance. God is awesome because he's always good. And his kindness, he's never judgmental. Oh, you've got to change, otherwise it's not going to work. You've got to... No, it's his goodness that leads us to a place where we say, I don't need to run that way anymore. I don't need to watch that thing I'm watching anymore. I don't need to do that thing that I'm doing in a secret place anymore because your goodness is so great that I don't want it anymore. Come on, it's this goodness, his love that causes us to turn from certain things. Disciples find new purpose in Jesus. Point four. In verses 9 to 10, we see that the response that Jesus gave to Simon. He said this, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I love that. Fishing for people sounds mental, right? With a fishing rod. When I'm picturing it, I'm like, it sounds crazy. But what's he talking about? He's talking about seeing people saved, souls being saved, catching people for the kingdom of heaven. But what I love is that he says, Don't be afraid. 
Jesus is always going to come in humility and love towards your life. Don't be afraid. And then what does he say? You will now fish for people. He brings purpose where we didn't have purpose. What I love is that he actually brings what's natural to Simon, fishing, and says, that natural gift, I will create a supernatural ability within it for you to go and reach people for my kingdom. Come on, he uses what we know for his kingdom's purposes, amen? He uses the things that we know in this world to go and use them to reach people in our world. He's not unrelatable. He uses the things that we know, the things that are relatable to us, and he says, now let me use you for the purposes of the kingdom of heaven. And I, lo- I love the fact that Jesus brings comfort to Peter as well, Simon, by, by just saying, don't be afraid. I-, I love that, that so often we think, God, you're worthy, I'm not. But God's arms are always open to us, so, so loving towards us, so forgiving. Do you know God's such a forgiving God? We muck up on a daily basis. Yet like Smudge said earlier, like a good father, his arms are always open towards us, amen? I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for his forgiveness. And number five, disciples follow Jesus above all else. In verse 11, it said this, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if it was like literally pulled the boats up, ran away from them, never never went near them again. We know from reading the gospels that Peter one day did go back to the boat. So I start to think like this, that the life of a disciple puts God first. Even though we all have different skills and callings, you know, some are called to business, some to practical works, you know, carpentry, building works, etc. Some to administration, some to church ministry, some to help, some to care. There's so many varieties of skills within this very room. And I don't think that what God's saying is, you need to leave everything there and come and live in some weird monastery with me and, 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 and be weird and we just won't reach the world. No, I think what he's saying, when I see the disciples following Jesus above all else, It's that you have a world that needs to be reached, whether it's in business, whether it's in the hospital, but we need to prioritise Jesus above everything else. We need to have Jesus the first above our careers, above why we're searching for the things we're doing, why we do the things we're doing. Jesus has to be the reason for why we want to do the things we're doing. I don't think you have to quit your job and go and live, as I said, on a mission field, but our disciple, no matter what they're called to, allows God to be the first in their life, to be the one that is the reason for why they're doing what they're doing, amen? You know, I've done many jobs and I've gone on various things that led me to where I am today, but I've always had God at the center of my life since knowing him. I've always had God, like, God, if this is you, then I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna put you first. And if you tell me then the season's over, then I'm gonna follow. I've been on a journey with God where it's him first because that's what discipleship is. It's following God, no matter what he's asking you to do, no matter the places that you have to go. It's the journey that you go on. That's what disciples are. And every one of us have that. No, you don't have to go and leave your job and go, Pastor Sean said I've got to go and leave my job. And No, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is let God turn up in your workplace. Let God interrupt conversations at lunchtime let God be God in the very place where you are let him be number one let him be the reason why you seek the things you seek come on eternal riches seek first the kingdom of God above all else and his righteousness everything else the Bible says will be added unto you amen so I say this all to encourage us 
to encourage myself that actually I want to be on the journey with God. I want to run after God with everything that's within me. I want to allow Jesus to interrupt my everyday life, which is sometimes so hard when you're in a pattern of, I'm in a flow here. I don't need a phone call from anyone. I don't need any of this. I don't need someone that needs any. You know, it's so easy, right? There's some of you laughing because I know that it's a reality in our lives. That being interrupted for Jesus isn't always easy. You've got to lay yourself down, which is the very thing that's next. Is We've got to come to the end of ourselves. We've got to find our purpose in Jesus. And we have to follow him above everything else. Listen, I believe at Family Church, we are disciples. We're not Sunday mentality. When I turn up here at 7 a.m. and I watch a set-up team set up, I look at them this morning, and I just got this picture of God's, David's mighty men and women. I know there was women here. It's just, I was just looking in awe, thinking, this is incredible. If the Bible was going to be rewritten, I'm pretty sure these guys are going to make it in there. Because the Bible's not going to be rewritten. Don't tell me on that. But if it was, let's say with that, these guys would make it in. It's heroic when I watch what they're doing. Setting up the things they're doing every week in, week out. Come on, this is discipleship. Running after Jesus, no matter what the cost, no matter how we feel, no matter what it makes us feel like, we, we put him first, amen? So this is the challenge, I suppose. There's a couple of things, really. I want all of us um, to be looking out for others we can help in their walk with God. You know, we've all come from different journeys. We're all on different parts of the journey. But around you is someone that needs your help right now. We can do two things. We can leave here and just go and come back next Sunday. Or we can take a time to reach out to those around us and say, can I help you in your walk with God? Can I help you grow in your walk with God? The Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? We need to look out for others around us. You know, I think of myself, if you've been walking with God for longer than a year, can you put your hand up? That's a whole lot of people. A whole lot of people that have had one year's worth of relationship with God. You know a whole lot of stuff about God that could help others grow in God. Amen? You really do. And sometimes I think we think, oh, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. Oh, I wouldn't know, how to th- wouldn't know what to teach them. Well, there's a team of us here in, the, in, in, in Family Church known as the Disciple Makers. And it, we've even got like a workbook that if you feel like you didn't know what to say or to teach someone, I would happily print one of these workbooks for every single person that wanted one of these workbooks. Because I want every one of us to be Disciple Makers. And inside these workbooks is teachings on the mercy of God, the new creation, new birth, redemption, justification, the need for true repentance. There's everything you need to be able to sit with someone and say, Let's talk about the love of God together. But unless we're willing, it's not going to happen. And I just want to encourage every one of us. Let's be people that want to help others, amen. Let's be people that want to disciple and grow other people. Because if I wasn't grown and discipled, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be out there on the streets or in prison. But it's only because of someone that said, I'll help you, that was able to grow and develop me. So listen, this is the challenge that I say. If you want to become part of the Disciple Makers team, which I'm hoping every single one of you will. Come and speak to me afterwards, because we've got a team at the back. I think Tonya, give us a wave. He's part of that team. Here he is. He's on the, on the Disciple Makers. I want every one of us to be part of this team. When we get new people come through the door, they feel so ready to jump on and just say, look, I help you in your walk with God. Let me equip you. I know something that you might not know. Let me help you. Come on, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Could you imagine how much people would grow and develop if every one of us took the responsibility to not only be disciples of Christ, but to disciple other people as well and to equip other people? Amen? 
I've definitely gone over time and I've tried to rush that. But listen, hey, um, we're just going to take a moment here to pray. And um, I want, if, if you've never known Jesus and um, you've never walked with Jesus, you've never had a relationship with Jesus, listen, Jesus is the best thing that can ever happen. He takes the broken things like we've heard from the women and he brings restoration to life. Maybe you've heard of Christ, maybe you've once walked with Jesus. But listen, today I want to invite you into a relationship with him. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord <coughs> and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he, you will be saved. Come on, what does that mean to be saved? It means to be set free completely delivered from old ways of living, old sins, habitual ways of living. You can be completely set free. It happened to me, so I know it can happen to anyone. The Bible says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Come on, we all need new, right? We all need new. God offers a new way. And it doesn't cost a thing other than you to say, I want you, Jesus, to put your faith in him and believe in him. In that moment, the Bible says that you switch from separation from God to relationship with God. That your life, which was once in darkness, now becomes illuminated in God's love and light. It happened to me. It happened to so many people in this room. So we're just going to pray a simple prayer and I'm going to invite you into this relationship. So why don't you just close your eyes and repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today I receive new life. I walk away from my old way of living. I choose you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. If you've prayed that for the first time today or maybe you're coming back to God, listen, it's really simple. You just have to raise your hand so I can see, just so I can pray for you more than anything. Is there anyone here today that needs to come into relationship with God? Everyone good? Everyone know where they're at? Fantastic. Father, I thank you that today, Lord, we take that commission of being disciple makers. That Lord, we don't wanna just do Sunday morning church. We wanna be full on. Lord, we wanna run the race set before us, Father, and we just want to give everything towards your kingdom. Lord, we pray that this week would be different. Lord, our ears be open to your voice. Help us, Lord, to lay down our lives as, Lord, you interrupt them for your kingdom's purpose. Lord, I pray in the lunchrooms, give us words of knowledge. Give us ability and faith to rise above situations and bring healings and miraculous things in workplaces, Lord. Father, let us be your hands and feet and your mouthpiece, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, fantastic. Well, church, we have run over. I apologize for that. So, um, hey, listen, like I said, why don't we hang out in the coffee hall? Come grab coffee. Come rub shoulders with other people. And let's, let's, let's do this life together. Amen. And if you've got kids, please quickly go and get your kids. Thank you.